Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes with you here for the next two hours inside the electric factory on a victory Monday. Man, it's been a while since we've had one of those. Yeah, man. Well, you know, all these Sunday night, mon- well, actually Monday nights yeah. and stuff like that, man. We haven't had a chance to come here on a victory Monday. Mm. Not so, you together, know, at least, you know, because you big-time me that one time. You know what that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that, Mr. Mister No Days Off, me over here, I ain't big-time and nobody. Uh-huh. You know what that means, though. What does it mean? We finally get a chance, Uh-oh. in the immortal words of Johnny Drama, to just exhale and let everybody know, victory! Victory! Arthur Motes, suddenly, piece by piece, game by game, little step by step the Pittsburgh Steelers have worked their way back to 500 four and four now after uh what an 0 and three start a, yeah. a one and three start where hey it's hard to knock those people but a lot of people burying the Steelers at that point but in a uh a bit of a wide open AFC which helps out a little bit the Steelers now with a a must win yesterday. I know that that's a cliche thing that we like to say in the media and fans like to say. It really was true yesterday. A must win in Arthur Motes. It's funny. I had a couple people tweet me about this after the game. <laughs> uh, our buddy Steeler Nation West Coast tweeted me and said, what's your famous line again about not asking how? I, I need it. I forget it. They don't ask how. It says how they many, ask man. how many. Back to four and four, back to 500 and in the thick of things. No question, man. And when you're looking at how the, the the AFC just in general is shaping out, I mean, everything is wide open in there. Obviously, mm-hmm. you have the Patriots, the Ravens, even the Bills right now have caused a little bit of separation. But being within two games of all of those guys, essentially, I mean, that's huge. And especially when you're looking at how the back half of the uh, schedule is starting to uh, span out for these guys and stuff like that. I think, man, this team, if you're sitting at 4-4, four and four, I mean, you heard Coach Tomlin yesterday. He's like, never would I think I would ever be saying if it was good yeah. to be back to 4-4. To four and four. Like, what? But that's what it is right now, man. And they still have a ton of work because let's be real. Even though they got the win yesterday, it's still a ton of things no that doubt. they have to improve on in order to keep finding ways to win. But what we said early in the season and what we're going to continue to say today, it's always a better feeling. When you find a way to win that game and you're like, man, we probably shouldn't have won it, but we did versus, oh, man, we lost and we actually deserved to lose it. Constructive criticism can be much easier, easier, (laughs) easier absorbed. Yes, indeed. When uh, when you're coming off of a victory as opposed to a loss. Yes, indeed, man. And now, really, you got to look at it. Obviously, getting back to 504 and four yesterday was imperative to uh. Like, you know, I've said, I keep stealing the Washington Nationals <laughs> mantra, right? Mantra of 
stay in the fight, right? That's what the Washington Nationals hey, 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 kept put preaching. Put some respect on them, man. The World Series champion, Thank Washington you. Nationals. Thank you. They started with that line, stay in the fight at the end of their regular season yep. to get into that one-game wild card, to get into the series against the Cardinals, to get into the NLC, mm -hmm. to get stay in the fight. That was kind of their – I think they played six elimination games yeah. along the way, something like that, won them all if you include that one-game wild card. And that's what the Steelers have to do, right? is stay in the fight, continue to play meaningful football into November and December, and they're right there. They're squaring the conversation. Yeah, they definitely are. Um, when you think about them getting these wins with AFC teams as well. Yeah, right. Like the Chargers and the right. Colts. Those are huge in terms of tiebreakers, in terms of making that, that hay in this division for a wild card spot potentially. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at that, I mean, granted the situation isn't pretty, but they are – in the best situation they could be in with all these being considered. Yes, without a doubt. Uh, the Chargers suddenly now are a team that's four and five. And people thought they sucked too, huh? And people thought – I still don't know what to make out of that team. What you mean? They're, they're winning. <laughs> they're beating teams. You watch, you watch The Office? Have you ever watched The Office? Not consistently, no. Okay, well, there's a scene in one of the, a famous episode of The Office, right, where they're trying to explain budgets to, to Michael Scott, to uh -huh. Steve Carell. And they're talking – you know, they're talking, okay, well, we got to do this and this and this and this. And there's like a pause and – Steve Carell looks at him and goes, I need you to explain this to me <laughs> like I'm in fifth grade. <laughs> and that's how I need somebody to explain the Chargers hey, to me man. like I'm in fifth grade. But you're right. And they lit up a, a hot Packers team that well, was on a win streak. Their defense was playing lights wasn't out. Wasn't even close. Aaron Rodgers looked terrible. Shout out to my fantasy team. You killed me again. <laughs> Two straight wins for the Chargers. And now they're yeah. in that thick of this conversation as well, too. You've got the tiebreaker over Indy. You've got the tiebreaker talk, over the Chargers. We talked about the Dolphins and how they were supposed to be tanking last week. They got a win yesterday. Yeah. Same, man. How about that? We were right yeah. last week in our conversation of we I'd much rather be a Dolphins fan than a Jets fan yeah, right now. Yeah, without a doubt, man. <laughs> I don't think it's even that close, honestly. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like like Mike Tomlin said, right? You never thought you'd be happy to be 4-4, four and four, but all things considered. Absolutely. Now 4-2 and two without Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, and then you look at the teams that they've lost to. Wow. San Fran, wow. Patriots, wow. Ravens, wow. Seahawks. Oh, that Ravens game Seahawks, is even more irritating wow. now. You said the Ravens game is more irritating. That San Fran game is more irritating. Yeah, that's true. But lone, lone remaining unbeaten yeah. team now. Saying you look at the amount of wins that those four opponents have accumulated, and you really start to wonder, what are the Steelers? Are they a really good team that's just fallen to some of the top teams in the NFL? Or are they a team that's, you know, a little iffy, finding ways to get it done. A, 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 a band of misfits that nobody believed in. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Maybe that's just a good overarching question for the show today, right? Yeah. What are the Pittsburgh are Steelers? They? If you know, tweet the show. At Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. Because, man, it's so – like, like I are think they, the Steelers – What are they? They right now, honestly, are a – I think a snapshot of – just the parody that is the NFL in 2019. So many games decided by a touchdown or less. Some weeks where you look fantastic. Other weeks where you're struggling. You're right in the hunt, right in the thick of things at a 500 record at 4-4. Four and four. You've got some good things going your way. You've got some positives. You've got some things that you need to work on. And I think certainly, too, you're hoping to get some reinforcements, some help in the injury department at some point this season. But I don't know, Motsi. What do you think? What are the Pittsburgh Steelers? I honestly don't know, man. Like we said, when we watch them, offensively, you, you see them have flashes. Mm -hmm. 
but then you see their drive stall out continually in the red zone. You see Mason have, in terms of accuracy, 26 of 35, that's very accurate. But then you look at the amount of yards, 191. The the average uh, air time on a pass was like five and a half yards. Was it even that, mu- was I it that I, much? I don't even think it was that. It might be lower than that. I thought it was like 4.9 yeah. by the well, time see, the game See, I like to round up, man. I'm a rounder. <laughs> All right, I just, you know, put it in the five. We don't do math around here. Yeah. And, you know, if I had to pick a number, I'm going 5.5 well, because my go. number is 5.5. Five. S- standard. You know? But when I look at that, I'm just like, okay, so what is Mason? Is Mason a good quarterback? Is he a game manager? Is he an average quarterback? Is he below average? I don't know yet. Then I look at the defense. We all love the Mika Fitzpatrick pick six, right? That was a huge play in the game. That had everybody from a defense standpoint, chest up. They're feeling great. Needed it. But let's be real. When did they really put together a defensive stand where they would just stop now the last drive? Yes. But even with that, you had the PIs that ultimately helped them move the ball. But prior to that, they were moving the ball consistently. First punt wasn't until the third quarter. The third quarter. And this is with Brian Hoyer, their third quarterback. It was and, and people, that's the thing that I was after, but I'm like, we're talking about this Colts team as if they had Andrew Luck. No, and they didn't even have Jacoby Brissett. They were down to their third quarterback, and he was still moving this ball. Now, granted, Mika made a great play and scored on it. But I'm, I'm like, man, what is this defense right now? Because they flash. They get, they get, they they get, get splash. Yes. But in but terms of just – strip sack on fourth down. Right, that was huge. But in terms of just stopping them, they definitely weren't doing that. And that was the thing that had me a little concerned with that element of the game yesterday. Special teams look good this week, mm-hmm. but then we've also seen special teams look not so good. They look good in kickoff coverage, punt coverage, field goal, field goal block. But, still but the return game still the return game. the return game leaves you wanting so much more. Now I will say this: I give credit to Switzer in this regard. He's catching the punts. He's securing possession. That's huge. He's not playing below the line, right? Because. I don't care how talented you are. If you have ball security issues in terms of fielding the punts, that's the issue. If you have ball security issues in terms of being able to keep, keep uh, hold the ball after being hit, that's the issue. Some teams are dealing with that. We're not. So even with that situation, I'm still like, okay, that's good in terms of the big picture, but you want more in that regard. But it's just so much of that going on with this team in all three phases, even with from a coaching standpoint. There's some weeks where we're like, oh, we love this coach that they look great. Then other weeks you're pulling your hair out like, yo, why would you do that? How'd you think about those two two challenges, sticking with that? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So I'm so torn on it. Because I, I, I like the challenges. I think it was right I think it was at the time, it, yeah. It, it those situations, those pass interference calls called for additional an additional look. I just also think there's the consideration of you're losing two timeouts. They're not overturning those in the right. NFL. And you're going to be losing just two not. timeouts. The rules there, but it's 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 almost meaningless yeah. in a lot of ways. And then when you factor in you're going to lose two timeouts, and if Vinatieri does hit that field goal, you're operating what a minute left, a minute left, one timeout. That's yeah. not a good situation. But then I take it back to was it the beginning of the third quarter with Jalen Samuels, where initially it looked like he didn't get in, but you see through the the replay from the TV copy at least that he did break the plane. But once again, why would you challenge those two and not that? And this is my biggest issue from a coaching standpoint. Terrell Austin, right? You said that that's your guy that's in the booth that's supposed Video to help guy. you with replay. That's supposed to take control of that element because you struggled with it. Now, when Coach T won the challenge a week ago, remember he said, oh, I just, it was a gut feeling. I just, I just acted. I just felt that I did it. 
But my issue is this. You're not following the structure that you put in place to help you because clearly your gut hasn't been right. What, 11? Well, now, one of the last 13? Because, wait, well, he, he was 14. 14, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, 14 now. 14. Don't shortchange him now. So that's my issue. It's like you see it work right here, but it's no different than when you win on a game that you shouldn't win on. It gives you a false sense of hope, a false sense of confidence that, oh, yeah, I got this. And then something comes back and bites you in the butt in a bigger way later on. And that's kind of what I felt with those challenges, whereas because he won that challenge versus the Dolphins, now he's like, oh, yeah, I like this. I'm going to challenge this. I'm not challenging. I'm going to do with this. I'm not doing that. Instead of relying on the guy that has the look, relying on the guy that's here to help you in that regard. So that's how I feel about that. And that's ultimately why I talk about with this team is just so much inconsistency. It's one minute is great, one minute is bad. There hasn't been like a steady in between with this team yet. Yeah, no, it's a great point by you. And they're starting to reach the point in the season, right, the midway mark, where you want to start seeing that de- that continuity develop. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's certainly something to keep an eye on, also something we're going to get into more here. A lot of stuff you just laid out there, Mozia, from special teams to coaching Come to on, the man. offense. It's to not often I get in here on a Monday, man. But what are the Pittsburgh Steelers? If, you wanna, if you've got an opinion, if you want to chime in, you already know the drill on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. When we come back here, there were two big battles, right? Two big matchups that Moats and I spent a lot of time talking about last week, and I think the Steelers won them both, and that was key to snatching victory Sunday at Heinz Field. We will get into that when we return inside the Electric Factory on a Victory Monday. It's Euler and Moats. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. What are the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's a qu- I mean, other than a football team who resides in Pennsylvania. Yeah. What are the 2019 edition of the Pittsburgh Steelers in your eyes? That's the question we floated out there last segment. We got some response here on Twitter. Mark points out Steelers are a work in progress and how Tomlin teams typically get better as the season progresses. That's something you and I have spent a lot of time talking about and how the arrow is always pointed up, particularly after the bye week, particularly in the second half of the season. Yes, That's got to be encouraging, right? If you find the position or you find yourself in the position right now that the Steelers are in at 4-4, four and four, right? 500 through 50% of the season. You got to think if the arrow points up, if they do get better, right? Even if the Steelers go 5-3. and three, Still a great situation. You uh, <laughs> nine and seven, I think, will get you into the playoffs. I think so as well. You got the tiebreaker over the Colts, particularly if one of those wins comes against the Bills, right? Yes. Then you would have tiebreaker over both of those over the Chargers, the Colts, and, and the, the Bills. Bills. That would be huge. In that situation, for me, it would be hard not to envision nine and seven getting you, getting you in as a wild card. Um, Thrash Metal guy says, "I feel like it's a mashup of the 0405 team and the 0506 team with the hard wins, heavy run game, and a dangerous defense." Maybe some more road playoff magic in our future. Dusty, the Steelers are inconsistent warriors. They might get beat up, but seem to always find a way to get back up. Let's keep stacking wins. I like that, actually, by Dusty. They, they might get beat up, but seem to find a way to get back up. I like it. That's a little good, uh, that's a little good alliteration there by yeah. Dusty. And then Jason asked, does Steeler Nation owe Bud Dupree the benefit of the doubt? And he's always been this good, but didn't get any help from the secondary until this season. Mm, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. I will say, I think it's a, it is a chicken of the egg 
type of conversation, right, when we talk about pass rush and the secondary. True. But I think both are greatly benefiting I, from I'm the I'm just other. glad that y'all are finally hopping on to the Bud Dupree oh, train that your, I was on because I've boy. been talking about this. That's your boy. I've been talking about this. People looked at me like I was crazy. Oh, man, Bud Dupree, what, man? Nah, not a chance. And I'm like, okay, I'm telling you, I've seen it on film. It's about to show up. It's only a matter of time. It's there. Nah, 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 man, Bud's a bust, man, da 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 You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome the whole way to him probably getting a fat payday outside hey, of Pittsburgh this offseason. I'll, I'll be his name when he signs his contract, man, because he earned it. You'll be his hype man in the background. No question, man. You, you, <laughs> hey, I'm Puff Daddy. <laughs> hey. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. Uh, speaking of Bud and just the terrific season that he's had and TJ Watt has had, I don't know if you saw this statistic, but since they switched those two guys, since they flipped Bud and TJ last mm-hmm. year, 24 games between that duo, 30 and a half sacks mm-hmm. in 24 games. That's production right there. And two of the big battles we talked about, right, last week, there were really two big battles that you and I thought would be kind of overarching. If you win these two battles, you have a really good chance to win the game. The first one we talked about, right, was the Steelers' front against that Colts' offensive line. And, boy, Motsi did the Steelers' front ever win that matchup. Uh, Cam Hayward. With, uh, I mean, pushing Quentin Nelson back into Jacoby Brissett. Obviously, you, you never want to – I'm not celebrating the fact that Brissett was injured on that play, but the reason that he was is because Cam Hayward just blew Quentin Nelson back like he was on roller skates Man, into his quarterback. Say, was that one of my five-star matchups? That was one of your oh, five-star okay. matchups. Continue. you. Uh, was it five, five sacks, right, I believe? Uh, yeah, five it, sacks and a pick six. Somewhere. Yep. Five sacks and a pick six. A, a, a team in the Colts that was, I think, fourth best in the NFL in sacks. Yep. You get uh, at allowing sacks, at preventing sacks, I mm-hmm. should say. You get five sacks against those guys. The big strip sack by Bud Dupree on that fourth down that set the Steelers up yep. at midfield with field position. The Colts offensive line versus the Steelers front. That was something we spent a lot of time mm-hmm. talking about last week. And the Steelers got the best of that matchup, and yeah. that was massive. Yes, they did, man. Uh, when you talk about Cam Hayward, that was the the critical play, honestly, to, to get those guys off their mark. Now, granted, Hoyer, they didn't have to switch up their offense drastically because of the type of player that he is. He was able to come in and still operate, but they were getting pressure. You look at Bud Dupree, two sacks. You look at T.J. Watt, one and a half sacks. And that's not even counting with uh, Mike Hilton. And obviously, Mark Barron came in and got some work. But those guys were con- – and Vince Williams is another one. Like, those guys were constantly back there. They were providing the heat, not only in the pass game, but in the run game. I mean, Bud Dupree continued to get those tackle for yep. losses, continued to be dominant in the in the run game. And like I said, no one likes to talk about that because it's not as glamorous. Getting a sack, it's like, oh, it's a sack. You celebrate. The crowd goes nuts. But his impact in the run game, oh, my gosh. I mean, he's stoning guys over there. You're not going to have any type of success running to his side, and that's because of the the dominant performance that he's been putting on in that element of his game. And that's the thing that I'm really the most impressed with in him right now. Another thing we talked about last week is kind of a big theme, a big thing to watch for on Sunday was the Steelers' splash versus the Colts' security. Mm. And, boy, Minka Fitzpatrick, pick six, Bud Dupree, strip sack on a fourth down, and special teams, mm-hmm. Jordan Dangerfield, Ola Adani, each forcing fumbles on special hey, teams. Hey, hey, put some respect on Dangerfield's name, man. Good friend of the show. Thank you. Good friend of the show. We only have two friends here on the program. No new friends, baby. No new friends. Jordan Dangerfield, and that was the one, right, 
the Colts did recover, they recovered that, that one, one right? Yes. And then the Ola one was the one that Johnny Holden yes, jumped after, on after the safety. Yep. But still, splash plays by this defense continued against a team that prides themselves on taking care. care of the ball. Absolutely, that was the one thing that I was surprised with with this Colts team. They typically hadn't been very penalized. They hadn't been turning yeah. the ball over. They were almost like a poor man's version of the Patriots in terms of yes. they weren't going to beat themselves. Never beat themselves. Yeah. But this game, what do you see? You see them give up a ton of sacks, so they had adversity. You see them have turnovers, so now you're getting on the short field versus that defense. You also see them have turnovers in the special teams element and also missed field goals in the special They had a blocked field goal and a missed field goal. I mean, right there, that's a recipe for disaster. And when you factor in all these other things, granted, if the Steelers are just – above the line in their red zone work or even yeah. average in their red zone work, this is probably a totally different game. What's been the issue there? Because I forget what the exact number is, but it's something like on their last 12 or 13 trips into the red zone, the Steelers only have four touchdowns. Yeah, they were one of three. Well, excuse me, four trips to the red zone, one touchdown, three field goals this past game. And it's not even just like – And we saw, it, we've seen the same thing yeah. recently. And the thing that's wild is it's not even – as if we're talking about just being inside the 20. Yeah, they're getting goal to, goal to go situations. Goal to go. Yeah. That's the part that's mind-blowing. And I don't know what it is in terms of the play calling down there. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they tried to uh, – obviously, yesterday they tried to line up and just run the ball. Didn't work. But then some of the passes, I don't know if they were calling more of the safer passes for Mason in terms of, hey, you got one read right here. If it's not there, throw it out the back of the end zone versus – Obviously, when Ben's out there, you see a lot more sure. elongated plays. Um, just let him be able to improvise and stuff like that. So I think that might be playing into it as well. But it's something that they're definitely going to have to get fixed. And that's something that I was a little surprised with from the O-line standpoint. Typically, yeah. those guys move those move players off the ball. They, they win the line of scrimmage. And it can't just be you winning the line of scrimmage in the passing game. You have to win it in the running game when they know you're trying to run the ball. And that was what we weren't seeing in the red zone. It is – it's a bit puzzling, right? It's a bit head-scratching because, like you said, it's not just like they're getting to the 20-yard line and then stalling. There are a lot of goal-to-go situations that they just can't punch it in. And I'll tell you this. As a defender, when you're inside the five, your main thought is, hey, hold them to a field goal. When you're offense, sure. your offense is out the five, it's, man, we're getting touched. It's, a, it's six. We're getting six right here, right now. They're not stopping us. And that's the part that's so just surprising to me that it's happening this frequent. I mean, like, if – just put it into to, to when you really think about this. Three of those field goals, they kicked us out of the red zone. If they just score a touchdown on one or two of those, it's a totally different game. No doubt. Totally different game. No doubt. It's it's something that, again, it's it hasn't just been this game. I think that's the – Right. It, that's what makes the red flag go up. Correct. If it was a one-time thing, okay, cool. Man, you chalk it up to the Colts' defense, them being stout in the red zone, you might be a little off your game, and that's that. But for it to be happening this frequently – Saw it against San Francisco. Yeah. Saw it against Baltimore. Absolutely. Uh, you talked about how this game with – just one touchdown in one of those situations, you're all of a sudden much more comfortable. And yeah. You maybe don't have to wait around for Adam Vinatieri to miss a field goal at the end yeah. of the game. Same thing with those games. If you can just convert a couple of those times that you settled for field goals, if you could punch it in instead, Steelers could have five wins right now, six wins right now. Whew. What if? Turk 
in Alaska. Just wondering, where'd all the Tomlin and Butler haters go? Yins have been quiet lately. Weird. Oh, th th thank you, because I was ready to get on that, too, because remember, it's always, hey, man, we should we, we got to fire Coach Tomlin. I saw Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace oh, tweeted out. Oh, no. He tweeted out, man, Coach Tomlin's a top five quarterback. People went crazy. Quarterback, you mean head coach? I mean, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, head coach. I was like, <laughs> if Coach Tomlin's a top five quarterback, Jeez. he should be lacing yeah, up on yeah, yeah, Sundays. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. He said he say he's a top five head coach. People going crazy. Oh, man, no. They're naming all these guys. And they're like, bro, like, where are you coming up with this stuff, man? And then it's like, well, he can't even be top ten. I'm like, look at what he's doing right now. And I love, too, that they – Look at what he's doing right now. The recency bias of that stuff. With, Come on now. And, you know, listen, you and I both, we've Come given on. Matt LaFleur a lot of credit on yeah. our show. Yeah, But people are, oh, I better coach than Tomlin. Yeah. What, because one year in the NFL? It's crazy. Kyle Shanahan. What? Because he's because he's a head coach of a good team finally now after three or four years? Crazy. It's so frustrating. It, it, it really is. And, again, I think the most encouraging part about this is what we've talked about now. Without In the absence of Ben Roethlisberger, they found a way. Again, they don't ask how. They ask how many. Absolutely. To go four and two without your franchise quarterback, without your future Hall of Famer. Don't even bring Stephon Tewitt into this conversation listen, listen. and all the other injuries. Oh, and let's remember, James Conner wasn't out there yesterday. Yeah. Either. Or Benny Snell. Or, or um, uh, if, if my mind serves me correct, wasn't there an old lineman missing as or well? An, or an offensive oh. lineman. Oh, okay. Just checking. Yeah, I, it's listen. I think any head coach, right? I don't care what sport we're talking about here. You could give me the best head coach, right? John Wooden, right? Who won what, like thirteen national championships yeah. at UCLA? Even he wasn't perfect all the time. Even he had his mistakes that he made. But every coach, but every, every single coach. coach has that, and I don't think every single coach has the. I think it, we've reached a point with Mike Tomlin where it is undeniable that he doesn't lose locker rooms. Come on now. And, and you've been in Come the locker on. room. You could speak to it from personal experience. But, but when we said that, we were biased. That's what they saw. Hey, we, we're biased when we say that he didn't lose locker but room. But how Let's many move. times have we seen this year, right, 0-3, 1-3? Uh, what was it, 2013 when they started out 0-4 oh, and, four, and yeah. then 2-6 and six and still finished 8-8? Eight and eight. He never loses the locker room. I say if you're going to lose the locker room, it, it would have been lost a couple weeks ago, right? Could have been lost when Ben went down. Come on, man. Uh, I just – Listen, again, there are things we, – we spent some time talking about with some of the challenge and the, and the clock management stuff. You could critique him. We could, on we, the, you could criticize him on those, without yes. a doubt, without a doubt. But like you always say, right, if you're going to do that, you've got to give, give him the praise, on that praise for the positive. And Keith Butler as well, too. I, I think it's so clear that they were able to identify the couple missing pieces that they needed for this defense, yes. right? And Devin Bush and mm -hmm. Steven Nelson and then Minka Fitzpatrick falling into their lap, which that's how we're going to look back on that. Oh, yes. Is falling into their lap. Because worst-case scenario this year, Motsi, let's say the Steelers go – I'm playing absolute worst-case scenario here, right? They go 2-6 and six over these last eight games. Mm -hmm. That Minka Fitzpatrick trade for that first-round pick is, is still golden. And that's worst case scenario. If you pick, if you go six and ten, and you're picking in that right eleven, twelve pick range, probably it's still a golden pick because you're not going to get that guy at that you position. Say that, I don't care where they were drafting, where that pick would have been. It's no guarantee you're going to get a player that's that true. was going to come and play like that and be that productive. I don't care if he's the number one overall pick. Yep. What was Baker Mayfield? Number one overall. Okay. What was Johnny Manziel? Number first round. <laughs> I think he was like twenty, wasn't he? No. Manziel. I thought he was in the, because that was their second pick. Who, who was they, their first pick that year? Didn't, was, no, it wasn't Denzel Ward. Who was it? No, it was Miles. Was it Miles Garrett? Check that. It might be Miles Garrett that year. You know, I'm thinking about. I'm 
Brandon Whedon and uh, Trent yes. Richardson. That's what I'm thinking about. Yes. That draft. Yes. Correct. Those two guys. Oh, I mean, there's there's top five yeah. guys that bust all, all the time. All the time. All the time. Top so ten for guys me, that bust all so the time. So for me, I don't want to hear, oh, man, you could have had a top five guy or it could have been a top ten guy. I don't care. This guy is a proven talent. He showed what he could do last year. Okay, was it a fluke? Nah, he's proven that he's a lot better this <laughs> year than last year. <laughs> you know who the Browns took first that Johnny Manziel year? Cool. They took Manziel 22nd, by the way. Traded uh, the Eagles to get back They took the, the corner. First. Justin, Justin, Gilbert Justin Gilbert absolutely. from Oklahoma State, yeah, yeah. who the we, Steelers we got in free agency like yeah. two years later. Yeah. I, I mean, hey, you look at that draft, Jadavian Clowney, first overall pick, great. Khalil Mack, fifth overall pick, great. But there's Justin Gilbert in the top ten. There's Blake Bortles in the top ten. There's exactly. Greg Robinson in the top ten. Give me, give me a player that's proven versus a, a, a hope and what, wish of a draft pick. This 2014 draft was actually really deep, though. Clowney, Mack. Mike Evans, Anthony Barr, Taylor Lewan, Odell Beckham, Aaron Donald, Ryan Shazier, CJ Mosley. This is a really good draft. You want to see a nice draft, man? Go to go to go to uh, 2010. Exactly. Yeah, and and hey, Teddy Bridgewater at the end of the first round. Demarcus Lawrence, second round pick in that draft. Uh, that was a Derek Carr, man. That was a good Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry. That was a good. This is a good draft. Yeah. Devontae Freeman, Trey Turner. That's a really good draft. Telvin Smith. Wow. That's 2014 giving your 2010 boys a run for their money. Not a chance. But, yeah, I, I just – and I think, too, a lot of people say, right, this has been – I've gotten this from some people in conversation. Yeah, well, with that pick, right, I mean, think about the pass rusher you could have gotten to replace Bud Dupree. You do realize that this Steelers team the past two seasons has led the NFL in sacks, Thank right? You. And they're on Thank pace you. to do so again Thank this you. year. Do you really need – hey, don't get me wrong, Motsi. I'd love to have Khalil Mack in a Steelers uniform. But is that really what this de- – is this defense lacking pass rushers? Not at all. Not at all. They've led the league the past two years. They're on pace to do it again and, and this year. And that's when you were criticizing Bud, saying that he wasn't productive enough. Right. And now we're saying, oh, man, we're going to lose that guy. Come on, man. <laughs> on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at body 52 body. Our buddy Steeler Nation West Coast tweets, they don't ask how, they ask how many. Talk <laughs> in, about it, In baby. all capital letters with the hashtag Victory Monday. The Steelers are at 4-4. Four and four. I want to talk a little Mason Rudolph with you when we come back, all right? Because I've got the, the reaction, right, the in-game highs and lows on Mason are all over the place, and I've got a theory as to why that is. Okay. And it relates to why I think the Steelers fans just just need a little patience. I know that's a tough – we hate that word. You know, <laughs> there's two P words that we hate on this show, Mozzie, right? Uh-oh. Potential and hey. patience. I thought you were going to say Penn State. My bad. Well, that would be the third. <laughs> let's talk about Mason Rudolph when we return inside the Electric Factory on a Victory Monday. You are listening victory. to Euler and Motes on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Euler and Motes on a victory Monday inside the electric factory, and I have a theory for you, Arthur Motes. Uh-oh. A lot of talk about Mason, right? We're getting some tweets about it right now. We'll get into all your tweets, as we always do, on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at the body 52 The body. We here in Pittsburgh, and this is a good thing, right? We're spoiled in this regard. We are, huh? I just don't think any of us really know what to do. We're not used to a young, inexperienced, trying-to-cut-his-teeth quarterback. 
right? When was I mean, when was the last time we had to go through this? Because you never really had to go through this with Ben. Like he had his struggles in his first year or two in the league, but the team was fifteen and one. Right, and <laughs> that defense was insane. Right, and and even in the second year where they were what nine and seven in the regular right. season, they still finish on a tear there and go on the run to win the Super Bowl. We never really had these growing pains with Ben because again, it it wasn't as the team wasn't as reliant on him to have success early in his tenure. Correct. It was almost like the the Colts style of hey Ben, here's what we're asking you to do. Right, secure the ball. Uh, take advantage of opportunities when they're presented. Don't put us in any negative situations. Right. You go back before Ben, I mean, geez, even when Maddox came to Pittsburgh, he was already like a what? I think like a nine-year vet in the NFL. Right. So it's not like he was a young guy who was cutting his teeth and trying to fit. I mean, you probably have to go back to Cordell Stewart the last time, right, in the late 90s, the mid to late 90s, when Steelers fans really had to go through the growing pains of a new quarterback I just think it's something it, – we've been fortunate in this regard, but it's it's been two decades since we've had to go through this, uh, a thing that a lot of teams are going through like almost every single year, and I think that's where we find ourselves with Mason Rudolph right now. The good, the bad, the ugly, the everything in between, the growing pains of somebody cutting their teeth as a quarterback in the NFL. I like that, but I think it's a little deeper than that actually. What, I don't even want to say it's deeper than that. I think this is where the issue happens. When Mason has to become the starter, if they just say, hey, he's our third-round quarterback, we don't have high expectations for him. We're going to have him go out here and do his job. We're going to go forward, and it's going to get ugly, but we're going to find ways to win. Your expectations for Mason are right on par with what they need to be for what he's doing right now. That's not what they did, though. What did they say? First-round grade. He's a first-round grade. We love this kid. And then they went out and traded their first-round draft pick for the first yeah. time since the Beatles were on tour. His first-round grade on this kid. Not, not. hey, man, we drafted him in the third round. He's a third-round quarterback. No, no, no. First-round grade. We're selling the house. We're putting everything up. We believe in this guy 100%. Pushing all the chips into the middle of so, the table. So what does that do? Your expectations instantly go up. They don't say it. Oh, man, because remember how we were. Well, we found out the news that Ben was done. Oh, we thought this. I mean, you and I, were, we were writing the eulogy right. for the season. But we were getting crushed by but, people but then, on Twitter. But then all the, the Mason talk came out, and the Mason hype train started up. And then you saw where the expectations went. And ever since then, he has not played up to those expectations, but rightfully so. If he had a first round. Five starts in the National Football absolutely. League with a head injury in between there. True, but I say this. I'm like, man, if he had a first round grade on him, like they say, you don't think any other team had a first round grade on him then? You don't think any other team would have took him? Right. You, you, he would have really made it to the third round? Right. Or you would have picked two people prior to him? I thought three, because then they take Chooks with their You're three. You're right. Because the, the Mason thir- was their second B. pick, was yeah. their 3B pick. You're right. Three people before him. For me, I have a hard time believing that. I understand when you have adversity. I understand when it's something tragic like your franchise quarterback going down. I understand that you need to do something to keep the guys motivated, to keep the fan base motivated. To stay positive. To st- right, right. Glass half full. But I think that was the wrong move, seeing that they had a first-round grade on him because you put an unrealistic expectation on him. And even with first-round grade quarterbacks, they still struggle. We think Baker Mayfield, no he doubt. still struggles. Sam Darnold. Yes, indeed. But rightfully so, those guys are criticized a lot higher because they were taken in the first round. Why, it wasn't necessary to put that type of expectation on Mason. And I think that's why when you see him throwing short to enemy. I don't even want to say intermediate passes because he doesn't really throw the intermediate. It's really just short passes. 
people get frustrated. Like, I want to see him throw it deep. I want to see more. I want to see this. I want to see this. But that's because they have the expectation that, hey, he should be able to do all these things because you had this first-round grade on him. Correct. No, I think it's a great point by you, and the expectations certainly play into that. And, and it's the same argument I have with Bud. Yes. If Bud was the third-round pick. Second-round pick. Second or third-round pick, people would have been singing his praises for years. First-round draft pick, uh-uh, unacceptable, bust. I took all the time. The best thing that happened to me was me going in the sixth round versus me going in the third round or the fourth round because the expectations would have been drastically different. The things that I was able to accomplish as a six-rounder, it's all, oh, man, that's great. Oh, man, everything, anything you do is going to be just you're over, you're, you're exceeding every expectation for you. Think Duck Hodges. Anything he right. does, no, anything he perfect, does, that's a perfect anything example. he does is great. Fans eat we, it up. We looked at his numbers and compared them to Mason's numbers in both of their first starts. And we said, wow, these numbers are pretty much identical. But what do they say about Duck? Man, he just gets the guys going. Man, he just looks good. Look at the confidence he plays with. All these things. And we're like, he's throwing the ball exactly the same. And, in fact, Mason was throwing it to receivers then. He was only throwing it to James Conner. But because the expectation was different for him, the perception was different. And with that perception being different, the media took it differently and said different things about it. So the feeling around it was different. And I think that's the biggest issue right now with this whole Mason Rudolph situation. No, it's a, it's a great point by you. The Listen, and Mason's even said it himself, right, when he was asked in the – what would it have been last – in the Miami game, the Monday night game where he was getting booed. And it, not just him, right? It wasn't right. just him getting booed. It was the offense getting booed. But it, it always seems like it kind of reflects more on the quarterback. If you've got 60,000 fans in a stadium, and not all 60,000 of them are booing, but you, but you get my point. I wasn't booing. I was eating chicken peas. If you, <laughs> you were munching down on the you were too you were, you were licking your too busy licking yeah. your fingers. You didn't have, I wasn't booing. You didn't have time to boo. But say you've got 6,000 people out of 60,000, right? 10% of people are booing. You think that's a fair number? 10%, one out of 10? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably more in the upper deck than yeah, in, the, in the lower bowl. Yeah. They were pretty, pretty prominent boos. When you've got that happening, like I said, it, it can be about anything. And this was something yesterday on the postgame show with uh, Stan Saverin and Charlie Batch. They were talking about how fans were booing again in this game, booing Rudolph. And people were calling in and were saying, oh, I was at the game. I wasn't booing Mason. I was booing the play selection. I was <laughs> okay, that's fine. But, again, it's, it. it's always going to come down on the quarterback. Right. The quarterback's going to be the one who always gets asked about it in the postgame. Right. Like Mason was after the Dolphins game. Uh -huh. And he even replied with that, listen, this is the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a standard here. Yeah. I think you're right. The fact that we haven't had to go through this with a quarterback in 20-some years. And the fact that – the Steelers talked about how first-round great on this guy. They put their money where their mouth was and went out and traded their first-round pick. To bring. They mm -hmm. went out and got Nick Vanette for a fifth-round pick in, in midseason. It, it, all these things kind of create a perfect storm of pressure on yes. Mason. And, Absolutely. And for a guy who, again, is making his, was just making his fifth start in the National Football League yesterday. Yeah. And, and, and it's just unfortunate, but that's the nature of the business. The nature oh, of it. For sure. And when you put those expectations on a guy, I mean, he's got to have to live with it. You can't backtrack it now. So from here on out, you gay, you going forever have that first round grade on you, good or bad, for better or worse. So our our buddy Rebecca Litwinovich. Lit lit. She says, I want to keep the faith in Mason, but he makes it so hard watching from the couch. Hard to know if the receivers are open. But dang, those dump passes have to go. <laughs> I, I think that's one. That's something you and I talked about last yeah. week, right? There's no NFL stat for all oh, the quarterbacks should have made this throw and he didn't. Right. 
but I, I think it's, it it looks slowly. All right. I mean, it's like it's like, it's the tortoise, not the hare oh, here. Like man. it's like molasses on a cold day at times, but I do think he's starting to take again slowly, very slowly. But I think he's starting to take more shots downfield. I do agree, but before I get on him taking more shots downfield, boy, that was one of the most West Virginia references. Like molasses on a cold day. You never heard that before? Man, I'm from the city. I don't know about no molasses on a yeah, cold day. Right? Virginia, too, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virginia Beach. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> you never heard molasses on a cold day? Nah, bro. I like it, though. Okay. Well, there <laughs> it's you like molasses. Moving like molasses on a cold day. I'm assuming that's super slow then. Super slow. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. I'm like, what? All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is, but do you, like, do you, am I, am I crazy? Or do you see. And here's another thing I think that plays into it, too. Okay, against Miami, he had success throwing the ball downfield, the completion to Juju, the completion to Deontay that was called back on the right. offensive pass interference. But then you see, right, you co they come out throwing yesterday. First play of the game, 12-yard completion to right. Juju Smith-Schuster. Great. Then a couple plays later, and this is, I think, something Mason doesn't get enough benefit of the doubt for. What's, it seemed like the, the third time this season that he makes a good throw downfield. Yes. It bounces off his receiver's hands, and the defense is yes. taking it the other way. Without a doubt, he hasn't had any of the lucky breaks in terms of the ball just falling harmlessly yes. to the ground. Yes, And that is very frustrating. And I do think, granted he hasn't said it, but I do think that gets in his head. I don't know how it could. As him being a young quarterback who hasn't had a lot of success yet, it does appear that anytime he has a mistake early in the game, he plays the rest of the game to not mess up. Yes. Hey, I'm going to throw it, but I don't want to make the big error. Whereas you see some of these other teams, these other quarterbacks, they just go out there and they're like, look, man, I'm going to throw it. I I'm going to believe in myself, memory. like whatever, next play. He hasn't really shown that next play mentality yet. And granted, I understand you could talk about the Dolphins game. Oh, he played so much better in the second half. But I already told you when we watched the film on that, what was that due to? The injuries that they had and the lack of talent that those guys had in their secondary was a direct correlation to that. Oh, and don't forget the 45-yard boost that he got on a Deontay Johnson pass that was malpracticed by that coaching staff from the Dolphins. You add a 45-yard play up here, his stats look a lot better as well. But those are the things that I think are, are really bugging him in that regard in terms of him being able to be the person he could be. And it just takes time. Patience. Like, you don't, you can't get that confidence without getting those reps, without continuing to be out there and learn a little bit and live a little bit. You all have growing pains. It's just that he's doing his on front street for a team that is nationally recognized. If, you, if he's playing in Buffalo, if he's playing in Jacksonville, if he's playing – any, they're loving it. Yeah, they're, they're like, hey, man, this dude's doing perfect. But because you're on a They'll take him in Cleveland right now. I probably would. <laughs> it's crazy, though. But you're right. In Pittsburgh, the standard is different. Yeah. The expectations are different. And because the quarterback play that you've seen from Ben. And again. It, has, it wasn't a, a three- to five-year thing. We're talking about a decade-plus. Over of, half my life. Uh, of excellent quarterback play. I'm 28 years old. Over half my life, I've never had to worry about the Steelers quarterback situation. Just think about that, man. Yeah. And the previous, the other half of my life, I was too young probably to care. Right. <laughs> it's just crazy to think about that, but that's ultimately what he's having to deal with on top of the fact that, hey, we got a first-round grade on you. All of those things play into it. No, you're right. They all work hand-in-hand. Hand. Hey, man, but at the end of the day, he could play like this as long as he's not turning the ball over. 
they'll be fine from a defensive standpoint, especially in standpoint. It's just the margin of error is so small when you're playing this style, though. If you're not going to stretch the field, if you're not going to, you know, spread it out and, and, and let it fly a little bit, your margin of error, you have to pretty much be perfect. That Colts team, they were playing that style of ball as well. But you see, if you have the errors, if you have the critical turnovers, the the, the penalties and stuff like that, I mean, it, it's very detrimental to your success as a team. An hour in the books. You want to chime in on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. When we come back here, Professor Motes Monday. What would a professor be speaking on today on this Victory Monday? We Victory! Have, you have to come back with us to find out, right, Motsi? Always, baby. We'll go into Professor Motsi's classroom, classroom when say, we – Classroom. Say that 20 times fast. Class classroom. 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 <laughs> professor Motes Monday when we return inside the electric factory at Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steeler Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Euler Emotes with you here on a Victory Monday, hour number two of Steelers Blitz. There it is. <laughs> and we're feeling good. We are feeling good. Arthur Motes' favorite segment I of love every it. show. Just I love it. Just second hour, he gets a, my, my favorite little intro, you know. Motes, he loves it. <laughs> Having some fun, laughing, always, you know, just your coffee tastes a little bit better. Your lunch tastes a little bit better. You know, the cold air isn't so bad. Mm -mm. My joke, you know, my corny intros are a bit fun. Everything's just better on a Monday after a victory, Motsi. <sighs> I love it. It's victory! And particularly on a Monday <laughs> after a victory, extra excited here as we always do, well, I should say we always do on a Monday when the Steelers are playing. I was going to say, yeah, we got to clarify. Because when the Steelers know. are playing on Monday Night Football, which they've done twice already yeah. this year, we, we kind of switch this up and make this more of a preview thing. Now, though, it is a look back, a look back to a Steelers victory against the Indianapolis Colts. It is time it's for time. Professor Motes Monday. All righty, class. Let's not wait. Let's get right into the fun stuff, the stuff that I like to talk about, which is what? The defense. defense. Good job, young man. Good job. Yeah. Now, the first point we're going to talk about, and it's always five. You know that, so get your notes ready. Okay. The impact of a consistent pass rush. Ooh. Yes, indeed. Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt. Man, they provided constant pressure and timely plays in the backfield that helped lead this defense. You see the tackle for loss. You see the strip sacks. You see just them being disruptive and the impact that has not only on the uh, on the uh, offense feeling comfortable and uncomfortable, but the secondary and how much better those guys look as well. Now, the next point I got to talk about is the turnovers that they turned into touchdowns. Now, granted, it wasn't plural, but it was a big one in terms of our guy, Minka Fitzpatrick. The 96-yard pick six is what we like to call in the media business. Was it a, a 
14-point swing. Is that what you call it? That was a 14-point swing. Point. At least a 10-point swing. At least 10. But we like to call that a 14-point swing. I'm, re I'm working on my media side right go. now. There you, you know? go. There you go. But anytime we talk about taking the ball away, that's huge. But anytime we talk about particularly getting turnovers in the red zone, it's even bigger. Mm -hmm. But when we talked last week, we talked about, hey, we need more. We talked about how we desired more. We talked about how we wanted this defense to be who we think they can be. Why be good when great's available, baby? We need you to turn some of these turnovers into touchdowns. And that's what Mr. Minka Fitzpatrick did. Oh, and it's just his fourth interception of the season, by the way. Kid's a flat-out baller. Yeah, first time a Steelers had four in a season since, since? Palomalu. Oh, you put some respect Troy on Troy Palomalu. But here's the thing. Uh-oh. That was in 2010. Yes. Troy had four interceptions in 16 games. Yes. Mika has four interceptions in six with the Steelers. Balling out. Balling, Balling out. out the impact from Mika Fitzpatrick, like you said, scoring point. His first touchdown of his NFL career, by the yeah, way. Man. Good for him. Congratulations to him. And, man, it, it could not have come at a better time. I mean, when you just think about his performances, just last week, what did he do? What did he do versus the Dolphins on Monday night? Two picks. His former team, two of those things. One, two, buckle my shoe. Hey, hey. Then he just comes back and follows it up with a 96-yard house call. House call. As a defender, when you get to touch that paint, oh, always feels good. For sure. I, I got to say, though, I was surprised. Now, granted, he did just run 96 90, yards yeah. on a sprint. I thought the celebration might have been a little more uh, exuberant, but I will listen, give him benefit listen. of doubt because if I just sprinted 96 yards, I wouldn't be and, able to and, do it. And it celebrate. wasn't like he just sprinted 96 yards and that was his first play. No, That's remember, true. they drove yeah. down there. Yeah. He gets the pick six, 96 yards. And, oh, by the way, you're thinking, hey, I got two plays before I got to get right back out here. Right. Let's go ahead and hey, give me the oxygen now. And it's not like he ran 96 yards in a straight sprint. Right. I mean, he was zigging and zagging across the field. Yeah, man. And he had to do some, some backpedaling before intercepting yes. that football as well, too. So, you know, Minka, first NFL touchdown. I mean, it's all good. I celebrated we'll for him. We'll, yeah, I celebrated that's right, for him. That's right. I, I got all, my dance on. I think all of Pittsburgh did. Now, my third point in today's lecture, efficient special teams play. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple of examples that I would like to, you know, use to prove a point here. Chris Boswell, four for four with a 51 yard. Still on the year, the only kick he's missed was a 54-yarder. Then you look on the other side, Mr. Vinatieri. Two missed field goals, including the game winner. Now, granted, one was blocked. One was blocked. Laces out, Dan. Laces always got to be out. And, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. You sit your you, – hey, you calm yourself down, quick, all right? Though, professor, yes. Professor, do you remember on Friday when I made my guarantees for you and uh -huh. one of them was that Adam Vinatieri would make and miss a field goal? Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Hey, didn't I agree with you, though? <laughs> I think you did. I did. Well, I, I, I agree with yeah, that. We'll, let's, we'll, re we'll yeah. revisit those in a different segment. I agree with that. I didn't agree with the points that that's we were right. talking about. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I agree right. with you because, hey, he's hot and cold. And that was the reigning special teams player of the week, by the way. Shout out to Mr. Vinatieri. It was. But back to efficient special teams play. We talked about the difference between the two kickers in Boz and Vinatieri. But I'll take it a step further. When you look at the units, the coverage units, Ola Danny having the force fumble on that kickoff after a safety. Huge. Johnny Houghton recovered. That timing was Huge. massive. Anytime you're able to create a turnover in the special teams game, your percentages of going up and winning, your percentage of winning go up drastically. They had a blocked field goal. Anytime you block a kick, your percentage of going up or your percentages of winning go up drastically. Jordan Dangerfield, granted, he forced the fumble. It wasn't recovered by us, but still, 
that sets a tone that sends a message that gets in those guys heads that hey this special teams unit means business you want to talk about real quick just big flips right and big you're talking about 14 point swing with minka how about that what have been back-to-back plays of Villanueva being able to jump on that fumble in the end zone. Kept, which, it would have been a touchdown. Which would have been a t- safety instead right. of a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then very next play, you get the ball back. Now, Steelers had to – they weren't able to, you know, again, kind of relating to the theme when we talked about being better at capitalizing. But you're still able to get three points from that. Absolutely. So, suddenly, what would have been seven points for the Colts turns into two points for the Colts and three points for yourself. That's a big swing. Without a doubt, man. And that's the things – that this team did in this game and why they are getting recognized. Why they are getting recognized. Put some respect. Though. Always got to put some respect. But when you look at special teams playing well and creating splash, your chance of winning, they increase drastically. And shout out to Danny Smith. Shout out to that gum-chewing mm-hmm. guy, that Pittsburgh kid. They showed him on They showed Man. him on TV just chomping away on that gum. Hey. I mean, Double Bubble is just wasting a, you an, know? an incredible endorsement opportunity. No question, man, but he... Once again, had those guys prepared. They came out, played at a high level. He was another guy that's been criticized highly throughout his tenure here in Pittsburgh. But I will say this every time. If you're going to criticize a guy when he does bad, you better give him that credit when he does good. Danny Smith earned that credit with the the way he had his guys prepared and their performance versus this Colts special teams unit. Now, the fourth point in today's lecture. Just goes back to one of my five-star matchups. And no, we're not talking Cam Hayward versus Quentin Nelson. No, I had another five-star matchup. It was in the running back room, actually. Mm-hmm. I said James kind of potentially being down, going to lean on Jalen Samuels. And Jaylen. I said not in the running game. I said in the passing game. And what does he do? What Bro- does he do? Broke a record. Just goes up there and catches 13 passes on 13 targets for 73 yards. Was Mason Rudolph's safety blanket? Whoopi. It was definitely the Whoopi. My wife and I were at the mall this weekend. We were, we were at some store. I think it was called Altered. Does that sound right? Is that a store that girls like to shop at? Altered. Oh, you know, I can't afford to go to the mall. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> we're at this store called Altered, and they have, um, like, fleece jackets yeah. for girls, and they called them the Wubby Jacket. The Wubby. I almost took a picture hey, and sent it to you. It's the Wubby, man. <laughs> that was uh, – Samuels, Samuels was the Wubby on Sunday. Without a doubt, and he played an extremely high level. He definitely extended some drives. He made some timely plays. Now, granted, I would like to see them challenge that play so they could hear that boy that touchdown look a little better with that touchdown on there. But either way, he did what he was supposed to do. He won his five-star matchup. And ultimately, I think that was three of my five-star matchups that bought out the pass runs. Cam, yeah, Jason Sanders, yeah, you know, you know. <sighs> Just doing what I do. But with that being said, Jalen Samuels, man, balled out. Keep up the great work, young man. Now, my fifth and final. My fifth and final point goes back to what you briefly interrupted the class to talk about in terms of having the laces out. I saw, now, the, I saw the lesson plan. I'm sorry. Now, this is what I will say. You have to do the little things right every time because you never know when it could cost you a game. We talk about how, mon- how mundane, how repetitive it is to, hey, catch the snap, put the ball down, turn the laces, Keep your, Get your fingers out of and the no, way. No. And, you, and, and the technique is you stare at your finger the whole time. You right. don't look at the kick. That's you don't right. look at the kicker. You stare at the hand. I mean, you stare at your finger that's holding it down because that's how you detail it to make sure you have the ball in a secure location. From the kicking aspect, you don't look to see where you kick the ball. 
you watch the ball, you watch your foot hit the ball and connect with it, and you care about your follow-through. Similar to golf. When you hit a swing, right. they don't tell you swing and then look to see where your ball went. No. no. They tell you, you swing, keep, your head, keep down. your head down. Same concept. But what did those Colts players do in terms of Vinatieri, in terms of the young man holding the ball? They did not they didn't have the detail that they needed, the appropriate detail that was needed in order for them to be successful on that game-winning kickoff attempt, and it ultimately cost them the game. And I know they're going to be, from here on out, they'll probably be phenomenal in that regard, but it's too late now because it's already cost you. A lot of times you can overcome some of this adversity before it gets to that point. You can get ahead of it. This team, they didn't get ahead of it. Down there having to learn after the loss, after the whooping, after the lesson. And it's very unfortunate for them, but you know here in Pittsburgh, they don't ask how you did it. Mm -mm. They, don't ask, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And, and the that Steelers just had one. more than the Colts. That was it, period. So with that being said, man, detail your work. When I talk to you, Wes, when we come in here for that second hour, the reason why I laugh so much is because I tell you we got to detail our work, Wes. You can't come here and say good morning when it's the afternoon, Wes. That's why I do it. When I come in here, I make sure that my headset is perfect in front of my mouth, so that way I'm not having to talk too. I talk too low because I don't Where want it any sound like you're talking exactly. To the way the room. Or we we sound like we got one of those microphones that you used the other day. You got to detail your work. Period. Detail your work. Yeah. And that was my fifth and final bullet point today. I think the Colts could find themselves in a position at the end of the season where they are looking back and saying, man, just that field goal at Heinz Field really a little cost bit of us. a pickle. Did you see the Pat McAfee reaction? I did. Of as soon as the ball was snapped, before Venetary even hit it, he goes, oh, no, laces. Yeah. Like. It's serious. It really and, is. And it's funny because people think that's not a big deal. Oh, it's a huge oh, deal. Oh, man, it's just the laces kick the ball. No. It is a huge deal. Huge deal. Huge deal. And, and, and the only thing I could try to equate it to is if you're now, – now, we know some of these quarterbacks have big hands. It doesn't matter how they grab the ball. But imagine the, a regular-sized hand or some guys with smaller hands, they typically need the laces for the grip. Sure. If you get that ball with no laces and you try to throw it, it's going to look terrible. It's going to go 10 yards and it's, it's going to be, be a terrible. Duck. Yeah. That's essentially what it's like when you don't have the laces facing the right way. It's like sometimes, yeah, you might get away with it. But the, the percentage of that is very minuscule. It's very minute. And it's a reason why that's a fundamental thing. It's a reason why when you don't do it, it's a fundamental flaw and ultimately a critical error that can cost you. And in this time, it costs them in a big way. I hope everyone learned today the importance of detailing your work. Thank you, Professor. Anytime. We'll talk to you on Friday. Always. <laughs> Some good stuff there. I, I love it. You're right. It's, man, you and I have, it's a dead horse that we've been beating on the whole season, right? But detail, detail, detail. Minutia. Got to detail. Winning in the margins. Got to. And, hey, the Steelers, to be fair, right, they found themselves on the right end of that on Sunday. They've been on the wrong end of they that have. as well, too. Absolutely. They definitely have. But, like we said, with all these themes and coming full circle here, we hope that right second half of the season when that arrow is pointing up for the Steelers, they'll continue to win in some of these margins, continue to have those those little little pieces of minutia that go their way in order the difference between winning and losing. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. When we come back here, we'll get into your reaction on Twitter. We got a bunch of tweets here in the last 20 minutes or so. And also, I want to – 
Talk a little bit about the AFC North picture now. Ooh. One of the teams that we thought the Steelers would be competing with in the division, uh, they took a big step uh. forward yesterday. Another team we thought at the beginning of the year the Steelers would be competing with in the division, they took another big step backward yesterday. So there's good and bad news on that front, how it all relates to the Steelers. We will get into all of that when we return. Inside the Electric Factory on a Victory Monday, it's Euler Remotes, it's Steelers Blitz, and as always, it's on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes. I'm afraid I've got some discouraging potential developments here. Uh-oh. That is that I think the Baltimore Ravens are a pretty good football uh, why'd you have to call me that day, man? 37 to... 20 over the Patriots. Hey, a little, you know, we don't like to look ahead here, right? We cut our eyelids off and we're focused on the present here. But uh, Wednesday on Best of the West, we might have a new number one team. Because not only, listen, it'd be one thing if the Ravens went out there and beat the Patriots. Okay. They smoked the Patriots. Even that 17-point score, it really wasn't that close. Due to some Baltimore mistakes, the Patriots were able to kind of get close at the in the second quarter True. and capitalize on a special teams turnover by Correct. Baltimore. But, man, the Ravens had their number from start to finish. Yeah, man, the Ravens definitely were operating at a high level. They weren't beating themselves. And uncharacteristically enough, the yeah. Patriots were doing that to themselves, which is a little surprise for me. I do think that when we talked about this game, we did say how the Ravens are the one team that plays them as if they're any other team. They don't let the moment get too big, and that's what it looked like. Those guys from Baltimore were hyped up. They were ready to go. The moment wasn't too big, and I think the Patriots definitely got exposed a little bit. We knew about some of the running game issues in terms of them being able to stop the run. I think Cleveland exposed them in that regard. But Lamar Jackson, once again, he continues to be on a tear in the things that he's able to do. And I think that going forward, it's going to be interesting to see how New England responds to that. And ultimately, how does Baltimore handle that type of success now? Yeah, it really is a lot to take from that game. I saw some people on Twitter that were like, ah, well, you know, the Patriots did this on purpose. Because, you know, they're going to see the Ravens again in the playoffs, and they didn't want to tip their hand about how they're going to defend Lamar. Stop it. Okay, what about Mark Ingram and his 115 yards on only 15 carries? That's an almost eight yard per carry average there, Motsi. It just looked like the Patriots' defense just all over the field didn't have the speed to run with Baltimore. No, I agree, man. They definitely got exposed in that regard. I just find it funny, though, that (laughs) before this week, no one was talking about the Patriots' speed or the lack thereof. Nobody was talking about age. Nobody was talking about any of this. Granted, we brought it up in week one, but outside of that, nobody brought up these things. Then they have this game versus the Ravens, and now all these other narratives are coming. Oh, man, they're old. Oh, man, they're slow. Oh, they got to do this. They got to do that. It's one game. And I think that us in the media world, us as fans, we all tend to do this. We have these crazy reactions to every week. Oh, my God. Like, that was – Patriots re- are exposed. They got to redo everything. Like like every offense in the league is as fast as the Ravens, right? Like, and that's kind of where I am with that whole situation. I'm like, it was a bad matchup for them. It really is. Like, if I was a Patriots fan, 
What? I can't believe you just said that. Why would you say that? If I was somebody from New England who found myself wearing red, white, and blue on Sundays, I would not want to see that Baltimore team in the playoffs. Yeah, man, they they definitely played them well. But the same thing could be said when, in terms of the Steelers in the uh, Ravens game this year. Right. It's like, man, we matched up with them very, very good. I I wonder. So what the, the two big narratives, right? The uh, I guess you could call one of them a fallout and one uh, more of a, a positive from this game, right? The two areas, right, that the the overreaction in the media and amongst NFL fans in general is that the Patriots have been exposed, their defense is too slow, and that the Ravens are this unstoppable juggernaut on offense who has so many ways to beat you. Which of those two would you, do you think is at least there's a little more truth involved? Was this more – this is what the Ravens' offense is capable of when they're clicking, and the in the you know in the Patriots' defense is is slow and old. Or do you think again, like you said, it's just man, any given Sunday in the NFL, right? Just because Team A beats Team B and Team B beats Team C doesn't mean Team C is going to beat Team A, right? A lot of times it's mm-hmm. it's just about those matchups. It's week to week, man. I don't think that the Ravens' offense are, are just some super juggernaut. But when they are operating at a high level, they can score points. Particularly when they can establish the run yeah. early, man. And then I don't, I'm don't. i not going to sit here and say this Patriots defense is too old and slow when just a week ago we were talking about is this one of the greatest defenses we've ever seen because the amount of turnovers they've created, which they still continue to do, the amount of touchdowns that they've scored, and all these other things. So I don't want to hear all of that. That's just the feel-good story. That's the, hey, everybody's hyped up right now. Let's make a knee-jerk reaction and put it out there. And Everybody's caught in the moment. They're going to just jump on it. That's what the media does. That's why the media gets paid to be like that. But in terms of the actual games, I mean, shoot, the Ravens could turn around and lose next week to somebody. Yeah. Like, that's the that's the reality of it. I think, too, you look at the score, right, 20 to 37. There's a, there's a nice gap there. There's a nice gulf in class there, if you will. The Ravens went up 17 to nothing on the Patriots mm-hmm. early in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Other than that, their offense scored 13 points the rest of the game. Because seven of those uh-huh. were seven of those were from the scoop six, yes. and even of those thirteen, I think what ten of those thirteen they were put in very opportune situations yes. to score those points. So you can say that the Patriots' defense kind of did figure them out a little bit. It's just the Patriots' offense couldn't get anything going. Yeah, but even with the Patriots' offense, once they got it back to, I think what they went into halftime 17-13. Yeah, and even with that, they still had the opportunity. They could have went for it. On it was what. Third and yes. two yes. or whatever. So they could have went, but obviously they felt from a time standpoint they would much rather kick the field goal take the points. It wasn't as it. Like, I understand the score says what it says. And granted, they had the highlights at the end of the game where uh, Humphrey is running up the sideline with the football for the fumble recovery, and it was just an exciting play. It was a splash play that we always talk about. But outside of the splash play like that, it wasn't as if, like, the Patriots, they – you weren't feeling that, oh, man, the Patriots got a chance to get back in this. Right. Because we'll say the first – what the, when they went up 17-zip, the feeling was, oh, man, this is a blowout. It was crazy. After that, though, up until that Marlon Humphrey fumble return, it wasn't the feeling of, oh, man, this is a blowout. It was like – Oh, no, there was some – Oh, it's about to happen. Are they about to do what they do? There was some do? clenching going exactly. on at MT Bank Stadium. Exactly. So that's why, for me, I always just laugh when I hear the next day – the reactions of, oh, man, they're too old. They're so slow. Or this is such a blowout. I'm like. Like people speaking in absolutes, yeah, too. I'm like, oh, so now it was a blowout. It's now one, the Patriots right, it's one thing if you're like, Ravens are great. It's <laughs> one thing if you were like, ah, oh, man, you know, maybe we really should have thought, yeah, this Patriots defense, they could have right. been a little bit faster, you know, as opposed to like you said, oh, well, they're done. 
Yeah. Patrick Chung, he's done. McCourty Brothers, they're done. I mean, I'm sitting here. Stephon like, Gilmore, he's done. They're just going over. Man, that guy right there, he's old. He's slow. Like, they, this is the same defense that's been out there for how many weeks now? It's the same defense that, like you said, what did they give up actually in terms of points in the second half? Realistically, like one scoring drive. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's what Pump, I'll give the Ravens credit for. Pumpy in the second breaks. Half. Everybody pumpy breaks. So so maybe maybe I was wrong. Maybe if I'm a Patriots fan, boy, you keep saying. Maybe that I would want to see the Ravens again because I think okay, well our defense got them figured out. We're not going to make those mistakes and, and next time. And let's be real. Is is the way New England's offense played in terms of the turnovers? Julian Edelman fumbling a ball that led to a scoop score. Right. How often is that going to happen? In terms of Tom Brady throwing an overthrown pass to Muhammad Sanu down the middle of the field that was intercepted by Earl Thomas, how often is that going to happen? Those are the things I'm saying to myself. The bad news is the Ravens are six and two. They maintain that two game cushion that they have yeah. over. Well, the that Steelers. was the that was the thing I was laughing at. Like, are you supposed to root for the Patriots to win? Because if they win, that doesn't hurt you in terms of winning the division. Because Baltimore gets a loss while you won, that's good. Right. But then if you're rooting for Baltimore to win, now they take a step further in terms of securing that division up. I don't know if I would say I was rooting for either team to win, Motsi, but I would have liked to see the Patriots win last night. Ooh. That's like the only time I think I've ever – I think that's the only time what I've ever said that. Like that I would have liked to see the Patriots win last because night. Because you're a TB12 lover. Oh, would you stop it? No, I'm a Baltimore, I'm a Baltimore hater. I knew it. I hate that purple. Baltimore, JMU, you name it, I hate it. Wow. I'm just kidding. Just Baltimore. Okay, cool. Six and two. Two-game cushion they keep there with eight games to play. You still listen. Still a lot can happen there. But again, you would have liked you would have liked it if the Ravens were five and three. Yes. And all of a sudden you're and one you're game four four, you're one yeah. game behind them. And because they, they still the Ravens over these next four or five weeks have a lot of tough games in there. But it's funny we keep saying they got tough games in there. You said Seattle was Seattle supposed to be a tough game they for them. They won that one by fourteen. Oh, the, the Patriots supposed to be a tough. They game. They won that one by seventeen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When's this next tough game coming up again? Help me understand, please. Because that's what media likes. That's what fans like to do. We always well, like to we like to look at the schedule. And say, oh man, that team's tough right there. Oh, that's gonna be one. Oh not man, not next week. They go to Cincinnati. Yeah. I think I'll lay that one up for the Ravens. But oh, then, but but then again, Houston, they played Cincinnati. Played them tough the first time. That's all I'm saying. And that's a team now. The Bengals all of a sudden they're the lone winless mm-hmm. team in the NFL. All of a sudden they're like, all right, come on guys, the Jets and the Dolphins got to win. Like we got to get a win here. Bengals next week, but then they have the Texans, the Rams, and the Niners, and the Bills in four straight weeks. Listen, just remember what I – I got two things that I preach, right? They don't ask how, they ask how many. The other one that I'm preaching right now is stay in the fight, right, Motsi? Don't look too far ahead. Just take care of your own business. Stay in the fight. The bad news, like I said, is that, you know, the Ravens maintained that two-game cushion over the Steelers for the division lead. Mm-hmm. The good news is <laughs> – Cleveland. <laughs> Them brownies. They lost to a Broncos team quarterback by a guy I've never heard of. Odell Beckham looks like he's upset with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is dressed in the postgame. Did you see this, Baker Mayfield, in the postgame? No. How he you? was dressed? You didn't see this? No, I did not. Oh, my goodness. He looked like every John Candy character. Wow. <laughs> from a shower ring salesman character. Wow. Looked like Randy Marsh from South Park. I mean, he showed up wow. looking real rough in his post-game press conference with a mustache. You know, I heard a good joke this morning, Motsi, and that's that Baker Mayfield, you know, if he doesn't want to do this football thing, <laughs> he could sh- he should consider managing a Chick-fil-A restaurant. Oh, man. Because it was he like clearly that. doesn't like to show up to work on Sundays. <laughs> oh, cold-blooded. I like that. What is there any help? We talk about schedules, right? You look at other than the Steelers games. 
I think the Browns will be favored in every game they play the rest of the year. They got a lot of Bengals matchups. They got a lot. They got the Dolphins. They still have the Jets. But man, that's a team that if you're telling me it goes one way, right, yeah. where it gets a little bit better and maybe they're able to work their way back to seven or eight wins, something like that, or it just continues to be a disaster. I'm leaning towards the disaster. Yeah, I have a hard time disagreeing with that statement, man. Freddie Kitchens is just – He's in over his head. He's in over his head. And it's, it's shown multiple times now. It really is. Hey, man, everybody wants to be the all-season dogs until Ooh. it's time for the season to start. Until it's time to face the music. And yeah, this relates to, I think, a lot, right? And it's it's obviously different because Baker Mayfield, Heisman Trophy winner, first overall pick. But in the same vein of expectations, like we were talking about before the year, right? If people were expecting this Cleveland team realistically as a roster that has a ton of moving parts, right? Mm -hmm. I think from three years ago, right, they only have like seven guys that are on the roster from three years ago. Correct. That's a ton of turnover. You've got – a quarterback coach. Let's be honest. Like, I'm not trying to be rude to Freddie Kitchens, all right? Freddie, <laughs> Freddie Kitchens forgets more about football th than I know on a weekly basis, Correct. all right? I'm not trying to be, like, some young punk here. But he's a quarterback coach. Like, I'm, I'm so glad you put respect on that, though, man, because a lot of people, they, they get caught in their feelings. You know that. I've never wanted to be I one know. of these guys I who know. sits there and, you know, the, the kind of sucks. The Skip Bayless. As much as I think he's funny, the Colin Cowherd yeah. kind of, right? Like, I get it. Freddie Kitchens knows more about, forgets more about football in a week yes. than I'll know in my life. But he's a quarterback coach, Motsi. Correct. I mean, it, you know what it would be like? It'd be like plucking me and saying, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to replace Mark Madden. Yeah, I filled in for Mark Madden, but I might be able to—I might be able to sit there for an hour, a few hey. hours at a time, and and sit there and fill in. But it's just Freddie Kitchens started last season as a quarterback coach. Yeah. Now he's the head coach of, like you said, a team in the NFL that probably had more expectations on them than anybody. It's just—it's a perfect storm of disaster, right? Without there, a doubt, man. Without a doubt, and. They brought it on themselves. That's all they I did. can say, man. They—they they did not shy away from it. They did not try to help themselves in terms of scaling it back, downplaying the note. They played into it. They loved it. And then what did we talk about last week with Baker? What did we talk about with Baker? How he want to come out into the media, say all this good stuff, da 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 Hey, man, just keep that same energy, baby. He wants to say, you never played. Keep that same energy, man. You never played. You don't know what you're talking about. Keep that same energy, man. Yeah, where's Baker's energy now? It's him wearing an oversized trench coat with a mustache and looking like all disheveled in his post-game press conference. He's a hit feelings. You know, Motsi, I, uh, you know, I don't ever want to wish a demise. You know, I never wish upon another's demise, mm -hmm. you know, but, ah, oh, man, you really hate to see what's going on in Cleveland right now. Yeah, I don't. You really, <laughs> you really hate to see it. And I tell you what, the Steelers – they got a big one against the Rams, mm -hmm. a massive one against the Rams, a Rams team that is playing really good football, a Rams team that's coming off of a bye week Yes, as well, too. Going to be nice and rested. They got the West Coast trip, though. But they or do have the West East Coast. Coast East, West East, East Coast. East Coast. Yeah. You know how it cross, is, man. Cross Coast. Wherever you know. we're at, you know what I'm saying, man. If the Steelers, yeah, they've still found a way. Even if they lose to the Rams, they're still in the conversation. But, man, if you could be at 5-4, and four, and then you've got Cleveland, Cincinnati, Cleveland coming up after that. <sighs> It's a great feeling. It, it, it's a great feeling. Listen, things have turned for the Steelers pretty quickly here, from 0-3 to 1-3 to right now 4-4, four and four, right back in the mix. And, and one guy I did want to make sure to give some credit to, and, and you did too. You talked about how Cam Hayward winning that matchup against yes. Quentin Nelson was so huge. 
if, right, Motsi? I'm going to preface it with if because we're uh -oh, only uh -oh. we're only halfway through this marathon. Uh -huh. You know as much as I do, anything can happen any given Sunday. There is a lot. There is a ton of football left to be played. This is true. But if the Steelers find themselves in a playoff position at the end of the season, <sighs> I think that Cam Hayward interview after the team lost to go to 0-3, <laughs> right? After the team lost to yeah. would have uh, been San Francisco? Yes. The break your finger yes. one? The break your finger. <laughs> when asked about excuses in the locker room at 0-3, and Cam Hayward said, nobody in this locker room is pointing a finger, and if they do, I'll break their bleeping <laughs> finger. Cam didn't say bleeping. He used a different word. I think yeah. he, I think you catch my drift. That will be a, a kind of a moment that we will look back into, you know, in Steelers lore, and I think he deserves a lot of credit in that regard. Just the veteran, you know, Mike Tomlin obviously in the coaching staff, but the veterans in face of so much adversity – just, again, keeping this team in the fight. Yeah, man, that's what it's all about, man. You lean on those guys in those critical moments, especially when your franchise quarterback goes down. You don't have him to look to. You look to guys like Cam. You look to guys like Pouncey. You look to guys like Joe Hayden and Vince Williams. Those are the guys that you lean on to help you overcome the adversity that they've had to face this year, and it's worked out. I mean, they're sitting at 4-4, four and four, and it's funny, man. We talked about a couple of these must-win must games. They've. I feel like this Rams one isn't even the must win because it's NFC. Right. The Colts and the Chargers yeah, those were, the were the must, must wins. wins. Yeah. yeah, for the tie, for tiebreaker. Absolutely. The Bills game is going to be a, a must, must win, win yeah. for tiebreaker reasons. So with all of that, man, like, it's just that's the beauty of sports, though, is it? No doubt. That that's what you just love about it—the ebb and flow of a season. Like, they it's so much that's transpired just to the eight-week point. Like, wow. And there's so much more that will transpire, right? And yeah. you, can, you can so quickly, teams can go from the top of the mountain to, to the, the bottom. To the bottom. Yeah. You can go from down in the basement to the suite on you, the top floor. You can floor. go from being talked about as the greatest defense ever to now being old and slow. <laughs> I mean, you, I, I keep going back to the stay in the fight, the thing that I stole from the Nationals, right? You realize that team was 19-31 and 31 at one wow. point this season. Think about that. They were ready to fire the manager. They were ready yeah. to blow it up. Clean now they're champions. Yeah. The St. Louis Blues last year had the worst record in the NHL and what did they do? in January. What did they do? They got their names chiseled on the most famous trophy in sports. Wow. It, Lord Stanley. It's it's something that, listen, sometimes it's hard to, particularly for us, right, in immediate where we're trying to have conversation every day and drum up things to talk about. And, right. it's, you know, there's more coverage. There's more radio and media and TV and, and writers now than there's ever been before. Sometimes I think we can lose sight of that, that it's, it's not a, you know, particularly in football where it's only 16 games is such a small sample size. It's not over till it's over. It's not a finished product until you reach the finish line. Correct. And and I think this Steelers team has, has been a perfect example of that. 0 oh, and three, one and three to now four and four, at four and one in their last five. That only loss coming in overtime to those Baltimore yeah. Ravens with your third string quarterback and well fourth string depending on how you want to look <laughs> at say, it. As you want to look at it, you know. It, it, it's certainly hey, we're feeling good on this victory Monday. We'll take it for now. On this victory, victory Monday. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. The when we come back here, we will wrap up with your reaction. We'll get to your tweets, a whole bunch rolling in here. And also, we got to revisit our Show Me The Money picks from Friday. And the three guarantees that I made, Arthur Motes, as well. We'll show get into all of that money. when we return to wrap up the show inside the Electric Factory at Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. All right, you know on a Monday we got to wrap up where we were right and where we were wrong from the previous week, all right? Motes, I'm always right. So the first guarantee, I think we should make, is, you want to make this a new thing on along of our Friday shows? We've gotten some new traditions on Fridays. We do. Maybe we can make this a Thursday thing. Okay. Since our Fridays are a little packed already. Yeah, we already packed out on, on I Fridays. mean, we got the Here We Go song. We've yeah. got Five Star Friday. Yeah, We've we got, got our Show em. Me the Money Pick Em. Yeah, we got a lot maybe going we'll, on Maybe Fridays. we'll make it a Thursday thing. Okay. So I gave you three guarantees yes. for last week's game. And I think I did pretty well. The first one was James Washington or Dante Moncrief would score a touchdown. Have now, one of those guys got cut before the game even, oh, <laughs> even man, started. Oh, man, you're making excuses. But I didn't get the touchdown from James Washington. Uh, but solid performance. We haven't talked about him yet. Solid yeah, performance by well. James. He definitely played well. A couple big catches. Him and Mason hopefully starting to get on the same page, get the ball rolling, redeveloping Warming that chemistry. Yeah, no doubt. So that was the first one. I got that wrong. Second one was – I said Mason and Brissett would both throw an interception. Now, technically, oh, I was wrong, oh, but both quarterbacks did throw an interception. You said Mason and Brissett, which was a bad gambler move of me, because I should have said both. I should have just said both quarterbacks you throw an interception. Because Brissett, that one's on me. Brissett didn't throw one. That one's on me. So you're right. Technically, by the law of it, I'm wrong. But, a loss is a loss. But uh, the Cause, spirit, because you're going to come back and thing, get me, you're going to get me in a little bit. But wait, hold on though. This, I'm now. Granted, we could we couldn't find a way to make this a you versus I thing. Uh oh. But I thought this was just more of me my putting myself out there type thing. You want to come up with three guarantees, and we'll do back and forth no, guarantees no, no, no. I'm every just, week. I'm just saying, I like your guarantees though. Okay. Last one I nailed. Crushed you it. You did. Adam Vinatieri would make and miss a field goal. You definitely did that. Boy, did he miss one, and it was Shit. an important one. Hey, needed that. Now, actually, I'm glad he missed, but, man, can we just not make it close next time? I don't like right. the, the heart. The drama. The, the roller the stress. is like, ah. Blood pressure through ah. the roof. Ah. One of my buddies texted me this yesterday, and, and I thought it was a real interesting question. Is Vinatieri hurting his status as the GOAT with his performance this season? Uh, I don't think so, man. I think he's going to get a pass on this, obviously because the laces were not out like they should be. I think when you factor in him hitting the 50, was it 55-yarder last uh, week and the game winner in that regard. He's had as much good as he has had exactly. bad. Exactly. He's just been very inconsistent un uh, for his standards. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest element to it. But ultimately, man, Vinatieri is Vinatieri. He's been doing it for so long. He's a, like, he's a future When, when you've done it for that long, it doesn't matter if this is – say this is last year he only plays two more years and he has bad seasons. It really doesn't matter. Right. Like he's still going to remember the good more right. than the bad. Whenever no question, he, man. When they play in the highlights – gold, gold jacket Right. On, yeah. when, they're, when they're playing the highlights, what are you going to see? Rings, big-time kicks in the playoffs, regardless of the weather. That's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to remember him by. All right. Our pick em. On Friday. Here we go. Oh, Arthur Motes. Talk about it. I went three and two. You went two and three. And, 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 and let the people know. That for the first time this year. Yes. Go ahead. Get it off your chest. I am ahead of Arthur Motes in our pick yes. standings. And, 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 and go a step further. Let's get into the detail, the minutia. Well, do you want the record first or do you want the five picks from last week? Let, let's go record first. Okay. And this is, a hey, again, a testament to both of us. That we are well above the line here, all right? Definitely. If people are listening to us, we're showing them the money. They're oh, getting oh, that you're, paper. You're getting paper, yeah. Through nine weeks of the NFL season, I am 24-15-1. Arthur Motes, 23-16-1. and 
one pick separating us. Hey. We've made what close to thirty picks here on the show so far this yeah. season with We're a one after it. with a one game separation. I tell you what, man, We're we, we got it. something going on here. We're getting after it. But again, the good news is that we are both well above the line. It's like we should do this for a living or something. You know. Here's where I got Motsi last week. All right, so we both had the Packers minus three and a half against the Chargers. Whoops! Surprise. <laughs> We both had the Dolphins plus three against the Jets, and we both said, "I don't think we even need the points. Yep, they're going good. to they're going to win straight yep. up." So we both got that. Where Motsi got me was the Raiders. Come on, baby. He had them minus two and a half against the Lions. They win by a touchdown, so Motsi covers there. I took the Lions plus the points. Now talk about the two that you won. Talk about the two extra ones that Hold you got, on though, man. How about my boy Carl Joseph with the big play yes. at the end there? Very Mountaineers true. for the Raiders w, to yes. break up the pass in the back. I was screaming at the TV on that last Lions drive. And Morgan goes, so we have the thing, right, where I show her the actual bets that I've placed money on. Ooh. Okay, Saturdays okay. Saturdays before college kickoff how does and that Sunday. Go? Like, how does she feel about that? All she really cares, right, she likes me. She says I'm at a, I'm at a $50 limit per day, right? Okay. So I get 50 bucks on college football Saturday. I get 50 bucks on all college right. football Sunday, all okay. right? And, that, and once the well's dry, the well's dry, all Fair right? enough. So I show her the bet, and so she knows that I didn't actually put any money on the Lions. But I'm screaming at the TV, yelling. And she's like, what's the matter with you? And I'm like, well, if the Lions score here, they force overtime. I can still win this bet against yeah. Motes. But Motsi got that one. And then the two that I got. Talk about it. Kansas State minus six against Kansas. They won by 20, You're, you're I finding think. my weakness. And college then I, football. I found you, college football and, and, and points. And, and the points. And not, and not the spread. No, no, the no. Over the under. total points over under. Those are my weaknesses when it comes to picking. I don't watch college ball like that. I'm an NFL guy. And then when it comes to picking how many points the team, and not even just a team, we're talking both teams collectively are going to score. That's why I struggle it. I can admit it. So I took the Steelers over Steelers Colts game to have over 42 points. Moats took the under 26 to 24 uh. final. That's 50 points. Over 42. So, again, I go 3-2 and two on the week. Boats goes 2-3. and three. I know you don't – you know why I'm doing these over-under points for you? Because you, you don't want me to blow you out. Uh, uh, that – and I'm just – you know, I'm trying to pressure you into coming in with your own five picks every nah, Sunday. You uh, know uh, what I'm uh, saying? I like so yours. So, I'm going to keep throwing these curveballs in to try and knock this you is, off your game. This is the issue. If I come in with my five, <laughs> it's going to be weighted heavily in my favor. And I'm going to have to go pick first before it so that way you can't just agree on mine and pick the people that I'm picking. That's good thinking. I'm trying to keep it fair. All right, let's wrap up the show with some reaction here. Uh, Rebecca, she says. Is this the lit one? This is the lit one. Uh, giving props to Terrell Edmonds on covering the two-point conversion. That was a huge play, without a doubt, looking back in, in retrospect. Uh, C. Nemeth and our buddy Steeler Nation West Coast both asking here about the play calling and the need to find a rhythm on offense and wanting to know your thoughts about that. I think in terms of the play calling – they will get more aggressive from an offensive standpoint when they feel more confident with Mason. Right now, what it looks like is Randy Feekner doesn't trust Mason enough or isn't comfortable with Mason enough to stretch the field, to have him go out here and try to throw it. And we saw that very clearly when they got the ball back with four minutes left in the game. They could have essentially, I mean, you get one or two first downs, that game is over. Mm -hmm. What do they do? They get super conservative, and mm -hmm. they play in terms of, we always say they're playing not to lose versus playing to win. And that's ultimately what showed up right there. But I think all that is a direct correlation to them not having that full level of confidence in Mason right now. Yeah, and Rich kind of along those lines says, are we really sure we want Mason to stretch the field? Seems like every time he does, the pass is behind every player. 
It's a fair point, but this dates back to what I talked about last week, right, on Monday when we did our show ahead of the Dolphins game. It's the National Football League in 2019. Yeah. To win in the big picture, right? You could get out of stadiums with wins. And different, but to win in the big picture, to win in the macro, not in the micro, your quarterback has to be able to make plays. Absolutely. You're going to have – it is – going to be a time where he's going to have to be called upon and he's going to have to throw that ball with confidence and you're going to have to believe in him right now that hasn't been the case but they're going to have to figure out what it is that they feel most confident in him in terms of his throws that he can make and can't make and go from there last one here russell wanting our opinion on he says he thinks he's noticing that mason isn't stepping into his throws enough and following through enough Wondering if you've noticed anything along those lines as well. Yeah, I have seen some of that as well, honestly, where he's just, like I said, he's throwing the ball, but he looks like he doesn't want to make the big mistake. He looks like he's thinking too much and not just trusting his God-given ability and his mechanics. So until you see that, you're going to still see these type of throws that he's you know, making where they're a little inaccurate, might not have enough velocity on them, be a little underthrown. But that's just a part of being a young quarterback. It, you, the only way you get better in that regard is, is by playing and is by throwing those passes and making some potential mistakes. That P word, right? Patience. Yeah. That we're all going to need. Easier said than done. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody who chimed in on Twitter. Pleasure as always, Motsi. Ha! Big thanks to our guy Jacob back at the ranch for keeping us on the air and spinning the tunes as we come back from break. No show tomorrow. Coach Tomlin press conference at noon. You already know the drill, so we'll talk the yins. Same time, same place. High noon on Wednesday, as always, inside the electric factory on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.